Thank you. After each of these lessons from Scripture, we'll join in a, a short prayer of a specific form called a collect. And I'll just read these. We don't need to read them all in unison, but you can pray with me in your hearts as we read together. And each of these collects were written to reflect the Scripture passages that we've just heard. So join me as, as I lead in this prayer. O Lord, our righteousness... Long ago, you graciously brought us Jesus, the eternal King. Do once more through him and all who trust in him what is just and right in our land, that all your people may live in safety. In the name of Jesus Christ, our coming King. Amen. The second lesson for this evening comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9. A prophet declares that a child will be born. Let's pray together. O light of the world who shines into the darkness, you rule the universe with peace, justice, and righteousness. Grant us a greater measure of your zeal, your desire to see your peaceful kingdom increase, that we may walk in the light of your wisdom and love. Through Jesus Christ, our Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. The same prophet Isaiah wrote words that were fulfilled in Jesus' death, suffering on the cross, death, and uh, ultimately resurrection. Isaiah 53 contains those words of prophecy about a servant of God who will suffer for the sake of the people. Heather, would you please read for us from Isaiah 53? Let's pray together. O Jesus Christ, bringer of divine peace, you carry our sorrows, our sins, and our very selves. Lift us up once again and draw us close to you by your forgiving grace that we may turn to your ways and prepare for your glorious return. In your name, our Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again. Amen. Our fourth and final lesson for the evening comes from the Gospel according to John. 
words that describe the mystery of the incarnation, the fact that Jesus, the word of God, has become flesh and lived among us. Let's pray together. O God, the source of light, the true light, you have revealed yourself to us through Jesus, the word who became flesh. Shine the light of grace and truth into our lives once more, that we may give you glory and reflect your glory to all around us, in and through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Fred Pratt Green is the name of a Methodist minister from England. He died in the year 2000, so he's relatively contemporary, and he... um, ministered among parishes in England in the Methodist Church for a number of decades. In uh, 1968, he retired from full-time ministry in his, in his area there and began writing poetry and lyrics to songs with some sense of earnestness. He wrote kind of a lot in his retirement years. And the year after he retired, in 1969, 50 years ago this year, the United, not the United Methodist Church, the Methodist Church um, asked Fred Pratt Green to compose lyrics to a certain tune, a tune called Christe Sanctorum. And they asked him to compose these lyrics uh, about the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. They were compiling a new hymnal in the late 60s, and they needed new music. They were looking for new hymns, specifically, in his case, about the uniqueness of Jesus. Now, the tune that they picked for him to write lyrics to, Christe Sanctorum, that's a Latin phrase that has to do with the holiness of Christ. And it's an older tune. It came from... um, probably a long time before then, uh, the, the first really recorded instance of it was in the 17th century, in the 1600s. It seems to have French origins, um, but it probably predates that. Um, but anyway, the 17th century was the first time that we, that we found that written down, that tune as such written down. So Fred Pratt Green sat down with this tune and with the idea of the uniqueness of Jesus And he came up with a hymn that we call Christ is the World's Light. I'd like to walk with you through that hymn this evening as we think about light in this season of of, uh, lighting Christmas trees and lighting candles and lighting houses and doing all the different lighting things that we do. Christ is the world's light. There must be something unique about this Jesus character if we're going to spend so much time and energy talking about him and celebrating his birth. John 8:12 contains the words of Jesus who says, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." And a few chapters later, Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Here's the first verse of Christ is the world's light. 
Christ is the world's light, Christ and none other, born in our darkness, He became our brother, if we have seen Him, we have seen the Father. Glory to God on high. For the second verse of the hymn, we find inspiration from Ephesians 2.14. For he himself is our peace. He who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility. Christ is the world's peace, Christ and none other. No one can serve him and despise his another. us, one in God the Father, glory to God on high. For the third verse of this hymn, Fred Pratt Green pointed to John 1, 4, a verse that Leah read for us just a moment ago, in Christ was life. And that life was the light of men. Christ is the world's life. Christ and none other. Sold once for silver. Murdered here our brother. He who redeems us reigns with God the Father. Glory to God on high. And the final verse of this hymn celebrates the truth that we believe and proclaim that Christ is not another God among many other gods, but that Jesus is one with God the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit, specifically that we believe in the Trinity, that Father, Son, and Spirit are one God, now and forevermore. Give God the glory, God and none other. Give God the glory, Spirit, Son, and Father. Give God the glory, God with us, our brother. Glory to God on high. Now there is a theme, a secondary theme to that song that might stand out to you. It stood out to me when I first began thinking about it and looking at it in detail. And it's the theme that 
Christ is our brother. This is part of the uniqueness of Jesus. That the one that we celebrate is not simply God above all, but is related to us, is our brother. Now, this is not something that we're just making up. This is not a sentimental thought that makes us feel like Jesus is close to us somehow. It comes from Scripture. Romans 8, 28 and 29 says that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to, become, to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he, meaning Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. And we can modify it to say brothers and sisters. Christ is a brother to all of us, his brothers and sisters. Hebrews 2 uh, 10 and 11 says that in bringing many people to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists, that God should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Jesus himself, after his resurrection from the dead, said in Matthew 28.10, Jesus said to his disciples, do not be afraid. He didn't say to the disciples, he said to the women at the tomb, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers, meaning his disciples, to go to Galilee and there they will see me. My brothers, go and tell them that. And in John's gospel, after his resurrection, Jesus says, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Christ is our brother. Now, I have a brother. Many of you have brothers. Some of you don't have brothers. You might uh, remember a brother who has passed away, or you might know other people who have brothers. And and the relationship between a brother and his siblings is kind of unique. Um, What does it mean to say that Jesus is our brother? I think there are three lessons that we can take away from this idea that Christ is our brother. First, there is a deep connection between Christ and his siblings. The relationship between a brother and the siblings of that brother is one that is unlike any other. Siblings have this close connection that even when they can't stand each other, they know that they are deeply connected to each other. Um, they, They feel things related to their siblings that they would not feel related to other people. When a brother, when a sister has an issue in his or her life, a sibling will resonate with that issue in a way that they will not resonate with anyone else. There is a deep connection. Sometimes we see this even in twins that are born, um, identical twins or fraternal twins. There seems to be some kind of, right, Kirk, uh, uh, an 
instinctual connection. Kirk is a twin, right? If you didn't know that, he has a twin sister. Fraternal, obviously. Um, but there's some kind of an instinct that connects siblings. And not just twins, but, but people that are born to the same parents. So to say Christ is our brother is to say that there is a deep connection, an instinctive kind of connection between Jesus and us. He understands us. He feels on our behalf. He knows our suffering. He understands where we are. And the relationship should go the other way, too. We should know Jesus. We should have an instinctive understanding of who he is. We should feel what resonates with him. We should have this deep connection. A second thing that it means to say that Jesus is our brother is that we share a mutual responsibility for each other. Siblings are responsible for each other. Sometimes they're responsible to walk each other to the bus stop at the early morning to catch the bus. Sometimes it means that one is put in charge of the others when the parents are away to take care of the kids when, uh, when uh, mom and dad or mom or dad can't be there. Uh, sometimes it means one gets to drive the other to whatever responsibilities there might be when one can drive and the other doesn't yet have a license. Uh, siblings can be very much responsible for each other. And that gets amplified later in life after parents have passed away. And now the siblings are the oldest generation and they must care for each other because they're the ones who are left. So there's a sense of mutual responsibility. And that mutual responsibility carries over into our relationship with Jesus. If Christ is our brother then Jesus is responsible for us. Jesus is our babysitter of sorts. He cares for us, meets our needs, looks out for us, is the one who is appointed to be in charge of us. And um, unlike our earthly siblings, who might not always hold up their end of the babysitting responsibilities, Jesus is, of course, perfectly responsible. Perhaps the relationship goes the other way too. That we are somehow responsible for Jesus. We're certainly responsible for carrying his name within us, for proclaiming him to a world that does not know him. We are responsible for the message of the good news of Jesus. Christ has entrusted us with the message of the kingdom of God. There is no one else to share it but us. And so in some ways we are responsible for him. A deep connection, mutual responsibility. And a third idea of what it means to say that Christ is our brother has to do with the safety and the permanence of that relationship. Friends can come and go. Even marriages might come and go, but siblings last for a lifetime. This can be good news if you like your siblings, and it can be kind of frustrating news if you uh, butt heads with your siblings. 
We're all of various ages here. Some of us are in those teenage years where you just can't stand your siblings. I get that. I've been there before. Some of us are older and really treasure our siblings, even though they're not uh, geographically right next to us. And, and that makes sense, too. My brother is 300 miles south of here. But there is a safety and a permanence to the relationship between siblings. Nothing can separate that connection. That in, in the case of biological siblings, you share the same DNA. In the same sense, um, adopted siblings share a home that has brought them in. And now there is a new connection where there had not been one before. Siblings have a permanence of relationship unlike any other relationship in this world. And so to say that Christ is our brother is to suggest the perfection of that idea that Christ is permanently and completely safely our brother. You can think of all the exceptions in the world to how our earthly relationships might be broken. And perhaps that's been the case for you with a sibling of yours. And if that's the case, I'm sorry, I, that, that's, that's deeply sad. But the good news is that Jesus, our brother, will never leave us. There is a permanence and a safety to that relationship that we cannot break. Christ is our brother and is deeply connected to us, is mutually responsible for us and with us, and is safely and permanently in relationship with us. Christ is the world's light. This hymn written by Fred Pratt Green seeks to explore that idea in all of these different ways. It highlights the brotherness of Jesus for us. If we just focus on light, now narrowing our focus on the metaphor of light, because we're going to decorate a tree and light it, and again, Christmas is a time full of lights, we can consider the metaphor of light in the same ways as we consider this metaphor of brotherhood. The light of God is deeply connected to us. It shines within us. We are empowered and enlivened by the light of God. There is a deep connection between the light of God and the people of God. Second, the light of God is responsible for us. Uh, the light of God shines the way for us. Uh, God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The light of God is responsible to show us the way. And we are responsible for the light of God, that we should not hide it under a bushel, but let it shine. See, there are all of these songs that we know that teach us these truths. And the light of God is ultimately safe and permanent is a permanent fixture of our world and of our lives. Nothing can remove the light of God from us. Um, Paul writes about that in Romans. Neither height nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, nor powers, nor anything in all creation will be able to remove us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The metaphor of light is meant to point to God's love. Christmas is a season of lights for that very reason. Light is a metaphor that's meant to point to God's love. Houses and outdoor displays and Christmas trees, and we will see all sorts of lights through this coming season. 
So when you see Christmas lights in this month, remember that Christ is the world's light. That Christ is our brother. In a moment, we will decorate this sanctuary's tree with ornaments, and then we will have that special moment of lighting the lights on the tree. So I invite you, when you see the lights on this tree, remember that Christ is the world's light, that Christ is our brother. Uh, Deanne is making her way back up to the piano. I I assume that means you're going to accompany us as we decorate the tree, which is a wonderful idea. It's good to have music playing while we do something a little bit festive. And uh, this is the time for that. So um, those of you who have done this before, which I think is almost everybody here, it's just kind of a free-for-all. We have lots of ornaments here uh, on the front pew, and we have lots of tree to fill. So fill as your height dictates. Um, (laughs) If you're able to reach really low, go for it. If you're able to reach really high, that'll be great too. And anything in between, of course, is wonderful. Uh, So let's decorate the tree together, shall we? Oh, yes. Yes.